0: You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange, and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the group practice exchange podcast. Today's episode is a coaching episode and I have Courtney Glashow with me today, and we're going to be talking about how and when to expand, how to know when it's time to expand and actually how to do that. So, hey, Courtney, how are you? Hi, I'm great.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Why don't you start by telling people where you're at um, in your group practice journey and why the idea of expansion is, is coming to mind for you so we can get a kind of paint a picture for me and for anyone else listening.
1: Yeah, so right now I hired my first W-2 employee uh, the beginning of October and surprisingly she got very full within about a month. Um, So the management, you know, side of things and running a group practice that I am definitely more comfortable with now, you know, it's been about three months with her, things are going well. Um, But since it's so well, now I'm at a point that I have a waiting list, I'm referring a lot of people out. And now I see I can and probably should expand. Um, But my issue is I'm in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is uh, basically a square mile Town, urban little city right outside of Manhattan. So it's, you know, the Hudson River is right between us, and that's it. So it's a very um, urban area, and there's pretty much no office space. <laughs> like uh. it's very, very limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where my head's at now, you know, how, because I see a lot of people expand to like multi office locations. Um, and right now, I just don't know how that would look, and if I should wait longer to adjust you know to having a new employee um or just knowing you know when and I guess how to do it um
0: I have a few things that come to mind. I want to start what with one I think is maybe an easier one to question to answer out of all that, um which is you mentioned that there aren't a lot of office spaces where you're at um tell me more about that. Is it that there's just not office buildings or is it that there are the few that are, are there a lot there and they're just awful or are there just not a lot of office buildings to begin with?
1: There's not a lot to begin with. It's a very like, imagine maybe four stories each place and the bottom level is, you know, like a retail kind Mm -hmm. of store and then above it is apartments or some are kind of offices. And then there's maybe, Five bigger buildings, you know, that's like Erston Young takes up a whole floor, like bigger businesses. Uh, So, where I'm at right now is kind of like the basement, if you can imagine, like a long hallway, just shared, like a shared uh, waiting room, a shared bathroom, and then everyone has their own office. Um, And it's mostly all therapists and maybe a few lawyers. So, that's where I'm at right now. So, I literally just have one very tiny windowless room, which I made nice, Uh, but there's no other, you know, offices within there. People literally stay like 20 plus years Mm -hmm. there because the rent's pretty cheap. Um, And then I I did go a little crazy on psychology today, and I actually looked at where every single therapist is (laughs) in Hoboken to see like, where is everyone? Because there's a lot, um, you know, there might be like 100 therapists, there's a lot in our little area, but everyone's full, you know, it's a great area to be in. So I looked and kind of wrote down and there's definitely, it seems like, maybe like four or five other situations like I'm in where everyone has one single office and it's kind of like a shared space. And I did see there's maybe one or two of those that are available. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'd be like a literal two minute walk from where I am now. But I just don't know if it's smart to jump on a single office space and just be all over the place. Yeah,
0: so my one thought is one of the areas that my locations are in um is sounds similar in that it's um a lot of it's a neighborhood so it's a lot of homes and Mm -hmm. um where chicago isn't one of those areas i know there's a lot of group practices in other areas where you can turn a house into like a practice zoning wise isn't possible in chicago so um my this one neighborhood that we're in is all houses and um, storefronts. And no buildings, literally, like none. Um, no office buildings. And so, in that location, I had to use a storefront. Where my other locations are all inside of office buildings. This one location is inside of a a storefront, and um, that is an option. It's it's a little bit di- different in in terms of just you know, how it looks. Um, it's probably one of my favorite locations now, um, because we made it look how we wanted it to look. Um, what's nice about it, um, because a lot of practice owners don't think of storefronts for a group practice location, um, is that it has a lot more natural, um, uh, like walkability. So a lot of people are walking past storefronts, right? And so there's a lot of visibility that comes with that I didn't even think about when I opened that location. Um, natural marketing that comes along with just being a storefront because you have big, you know, usually typically you have windows in the front. Um, and that t- area tends to be the waiting room. Um, and you can pretty much use all of that window space to market your your group practice on. So that is an option because you did mention that um, you yes, have what's similar to us, which is storefront on the first floor and condos or apartments on the yeah. second and up. Um, the only thing that I would um, caution with using storefronts if you don't have office buildings to go into is um, that the costs are a little bit different mm-hmm. um, because you tend to have to pay for like garbage and um it, it's a little bit different than if you have uh, an office building where you're using a, you know, a room or a handful of rooms inside of a office building because they tend to be their own sort of like standalone spaces in a way. Um, There's sometimes some extra costs um, that go along with that aside from rent. Um, But it's a great alternative for, especially in places where storefronts tend to be kind of the main um, type of real estate that's in that area that's an option
1: yeah Uh, definitely interesting I think the pricing though is insane is it yeah like I I did look at it a little bit and what makes me nervous is is we have basically like a main street through this whole Mm -hmm. town, and that's all the storefronts and they literally like come and go every year so um, you know not all but a lot of businesses and I know it's totally legal to just jack up the rent, like 40%. In oh, eight. wow. Yeah, like crazy things happen here. So that's just definitely nerve wracking. If I, you know, set up a whole space right. or and then they jack up the rent and it's 20000 a month or, you know, like something really crazy. So that's that definitely makes me nervous. Just, um, you know.
0: Another thing to think about, and this is more of a longer term game, Is with your existing lease, is to maybe ask if you could have a right of first refusal added
1: to your lease. You mentioned. I wrote that down from something you said. I don't remember where. (laughs) I don't don't remember where (laughs) I say things either. When people
0: are like, where can I find? I'm like, I have no idea. I talk so much that I I don't know what. Yeah, but so that might be a good option. It's something Mm -hmm. you could definitely ask, even though you already have a lease. Is if you can have that added in there, Um, there, there's I have never heard of an uh, I was going to say an accountant uh, of a building manager who wasn't okay with that because essentially what you're saying with the right of first refusal is that you like the space so much that you want to be considered before they even have to look, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what landlord wants to spend time looking for someone when they could potentially have someone who is already paying rent there that they like. To expand their space and so it's something worth trying it doesn't help in your immediate search for space Mm -hmm. um, if if the person in a space next to you isn't planning on moving but it at least gives you um, the upper hand in the future if you were to stay in the space Um, you know another option is and this is really based off of your business plan, but there's an option of having sort of a remote group practice where um, clinicians practice out of their homes. You know, if that's something, if, if physical group practice locations is something that is going to take a long time to, to make happen, there's definitely group practices out there who um, have their clinicians working from their homes. It's just a different setup and, and it takes, you know, a little bit of a different management style to be able to have that work successfully, but it, it is another kind of option to look at in the short term, especially as you
1: sort of think about how you can grab onto a physical office space. Mm-hmm. No, that is interesting. I think the point of also feeling like a, my in my business plan, I want to feel like a team and yep. you know, I have W-2 employees. So it's just tricky to figure out like, you know, everyone's schedules are for sure, all over the place, you know, we're really coming in to see clients. And then right now, I mean, it's my one employee, so it's easy to set up a meeting. And, you know, we're meeting every other week kind of thing. But when I add other people, and especially if we're all different offices and locations Mm -hmm. and different schedules, I just can't imagine like, how do you make that work?
0: And that's the thing that I find hard with, you know, what you had mentioned earlier, which is there's some office spaces within a couple minutes walk. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of the only concern that you, well, I, there's two concerns that you run into. One is it feels like separate practices. So it doesn't help with the family effect if that's what you want. Um, and the, the only other issue that I see is um, potentially with clients being confused about which location because right. um, they'll be so close to each other. Um, that being said, I came up with one other random one that I'm just going to throw out there, which is you said that your office space is in a corridor with a lot of other practices. Mm-hmm. It might be worth asking if you could sublet a day or two on a neighboring space and you can use that to house an employee in. I mean, you might be surprised by it's not maybe ideal, but it then keeps you within the same hallway. Mm-hmm. Um but you might find that there's a clinician who works twenty hours a week is not wanting to leave, um, but has, I mean, uh, an office space is really usable around twelve hours a day, seven days a week. So if they're working twenty hours, you got you can just put a forty-hour person still in there, um, and and essentially then have an employee be in one of those offices. So that's, uh, kind of a, another alternative that can work in the short term until maybe an office space opens up as well. And it allows you to stay all within one space is to just check in and say, I'm looking to see if, you know, anyone in this hallway is looking for some extra money and wants to sublease their space to me, um, you know, a couple of days a week and then have an employee in there.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's literally, there's a, uh, group practice owner right across, you know, in my hallway, right across from me, I'm close with, and that's literally what he did. So yep. he, you know, I think he was subletting from like three or four other offices in our hallway, because he put his name up on all their doors. So oh my I, gosh. <laughs> yeah, which and then he took it down and left a bad mark. So you know, not the nicest thing to do. But no, he was, you know, all over the hallway. And he definitely, ha- you know, hired more people was getting bigger. And he literally like, two weeks ago, finally found another place that again, is, you know, two minute walk away, and it's two offices with their own waiting room. So he's been waiting, I know, years to find Yeah. That space, and it used to be a psychiatrist who retired or something. So, hmm. you know, I think he waited a long time for that. And then now, you know, he's keeping his one office still, unfortunately, where I am. And then, oh. yeah, and then now has two more offices together. Well, you know, that's a block away. what that's telling me
0: though is that wherever he was subleasing from outside of his office in that hallway, they that's might be open available. to, yeah, might be open to having you, you know, have someone there. Um, and that at least allows you to do something similar to what he was doing until something um, bigger comes your way.
1: Yeah, I think it's the control aspect for me. Like I, I like having you know my office that I decorated very yeah. nicely and yeah. just, and then the uncertainty of subletting, like, you know, in the past, I've kicked a subletter out for, you know, different issues and whatnot. But I mean, like, ultimately can, you know, hopefully give you a little notice, but definitely ask you to leave if they expand Mm -hmm. their hours or something. So I would just be nervous hiring someone. And then it being such shaky ground to me, I just feel like, I don't know.
0: I mean, one other, I keep saying one more, but I keep thinking of another kind of idea and maybe some combination of these ideas spark something for you later mm-hmm. is um, maybe a practice that is in your corridor is in a place where in the, either maybe they're not super full or maybe they're in a place where they're close to retirement mm-hmm. or they're working very part-time where they actually wouldn't mind giving you the lease and that they sublease from you. Because what that does is it gives them less risk because if they're like, let's say they want to retire in the next six months, a year, whatever, um, they don't have to worry about paying the full rent and that they can stop whenever they want um, and not have to worry about, you know, getting out of a lease or anything like that. But also if they're working really part-time, it might be more financially worth it to them to not have to have, you know, them continuously finding someone to sublease and pay them the rent, but right. doing it kind of vice versa. So I don't know, you know, if you know the people in, in that hallway, if there's someone That's who, what I was
1: going to ask, like, how do you approach that? Because, <laughs> because that <laughs> sounds great, you know, to me. And I, I feel like I'd be able to say that, but I'm not unfortunately like close with too many people. It's like the situation that I know some faces when they work the same hours I do, but it's literally like a hello in the hallway.
0: Yeah. I'd say I'd start with um, with the people that you know and mm-hmm. saying, you know, do you happen to know anyone in this hallway who's maybe looking to, um, you know, is maybe working really part time or getting ready to retire or someone who maybe doesn't want to keep their release but wants to stay in there and just sublet the the handful of hours that they're actually doing um, and and see because my assumption is, you know, you might know a handful of them. But then of those handful, they might know one or two right. other people in the corridor and that can kind of go along the line. Um, the other thing is, I don't know if your location has like a community board or anything like that where you can mm. say, you know, I'm looking to rent uh, an office or two if anyone is, um, you know, looking to let go of their lease, but to continue to stay there. Um, And and just sublease part time, you know, let me know and just have something like that. I don't know if you have a community board or a place where you can
1: post it up. We Um, don't unfortunately it's very like isolated in a sense. And our we have a management company, you know, that works for the landlord kind of Mm -hmm. thing and they are terrible too. So it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's a great place to rent in terms that the rent's so cheap. Um, and it's, you know, well cared for in a sense, but Other than that, it (laughs) kind of (laughs) sucks. Like there's no community. There's no, you know, you know, the
0: the other thing is you're saying it's so cheap and then you're saying that there's not a lot of space outside of there and that Mm. the spaces that are outside of there are, are commercial storefronts that are like crazy high. Another option is letting the building managers know. Um, not only about the right of first refusal, but to say, You know I'm willing to spend maybe a little bit more than what other people are paying here. Um, they might kind of prioritize you then, even for all of the other locations inside of that office space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, if if it's that hard, I might be willing to pay a little bit more than what the average person in that building is paying. I don't know what that means how much, but maybe a little bit more than what the rest of them are paying. So that I'm prioritized when space is open anywhere in that building, um, which goes kind of above and beyond the right of first refusal that's you know uh, they might um, you know choose to have you kind of take take over a lease at the end of uh, a, a contract to lease with someone else mm-hmm. um because you're willing to pay maybe a little bit more than what they're doing you're I'm saying that only because you said it there. It's so cheap that then yeah. I, I was thinking, well, you know, if there's really nothing around, maybe I'd pay for cheap and not so cheap, you know, a little bit right. more to 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 really have um, as much opportunity to get spaces in that building or yeah. in the building. I, mean, I love worth.
1: that. It's just literally communicating with these, the management yeah. company also sucks. I literally called them you know, like three times over the past few months just to say, like, is there any lease ending soon, you know, like to mm-hmm. show I'm interested and nothing. No, so it's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, but I'm, st- I think this is a, a little bit different than what I've been asking. So I'll try again and see. But yeah, I think maybe giving some control up and subletting if, you know, maybe another employee like lands in my lap kind of thing. Right. Um, But the thing with really expanding, like even if I found, let's say I found like a two office or three office space and it's, you know, a little bit more money, but worth it kind of thing. I'm also nervous personally just because I'm buying my first home and ideally the, next few months into the spring. So that's, you know, I know that's like a personal thing, but trying to think smart where, you know, I'm doing this huge purchase personally, do I really want to then jump into paying, you know, like first and last month rent and maybe a realtor fee and like all of that can add up to probably, even for one office, like $10,000 with furniture and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, again, don't know. I think my other question is like, when should I jump on this? Or, you know, is it, do you find that great employee first? Do you find another office first? Do I, do I, you I wait till you're financially yeah. okay?
0: <laughs> um, I'd say that the first thing is, I, I would want to make sure that I had some funds in the business I'd saved to be able to pay the first and last month's rent Mm -hmm. um, and and the growth for a couple of months, for sure. My second thought is a lot of this depends on geographic location and all that. And so what I would say to you is going to be different than what I might say to someone who's in an area that has office space popping up every five seconds, Mm -hmm. because with them, I would likely tell them to um, have more of a, uh, um, oh my gosh, of a emergency fund saved up. I would tell them to have, you know, X, Y, and Z all set up on the back end. But because you're in an area where it sounds intensely hard (laughs) to find an (laughs) office space, um, my risk would be higher in, in, in fighting on an office space because it seems like, Opportunities aren't going to be very perfectly aligned for you.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: you know, when you're ready to hire, you might not necessarily find an office space for who knows how long. So, in, in your circumstance, I think, you know, there's a, a give and take in all of our businesses. Um, you know, some people take more risk financially and get bigger spaces from the beginning and take out a loan or, um, you know, put stuff on a credit card, a, a no interest credit card, and pay it mm. off o- it over the course of a year um other people have you know there's lots of clinicians looking for jobs and there's lots of office spaces so the you know i i i would recommend less risk because they have they can at any moment you know rent an office space without a worry i'd have them do all the back ends stuff first In, in your case it sounds like um you know the risk that i would be taking is you know doing the research to to see how i can get an office space and then sort of working my way backwards um, from from that point, and mm-hmm. um, because it's not going to align likely in the way you'd want it to, um, because office space is, is hard to come by. Yeah. Um, so I would, while I'm looking and asking my corridor of people about subleasing and all of that stuff, is maybe putting a little bit away every month towards an emergency fund for the business, so that you can use it towards the you know down payment and security deposit and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's likely, you know, it sounds like it's not something that we're, you know, by next month, you're going to have a space that's yours. Um, and so you're likely able to save a little bit of income um, until that moment comes where, where a space opens up. But if I was you and I wanted a group practice and my business plan said that I wanted a handful of people and that I wanted to be, you know, a family style where we're all together, mm-hmm. I would, um, I'd be more likely to bite on a location and, and make it work later than to have everything lined up perfectly before choosing a space, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, for sure, if a two-office space opens up, which is unreal, like, I should jump on that. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, figure it out. Like, I could always sublet to other people if I don't have the employees, for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess my last question would be, do you think at this point it would be smart to talk to, like, a real estate commercial agent. And, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, the, it's the, probably one of the things that I didn't value and never looked into. And recently with my um, newest location used a commercial real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And I was actually surprised at how much insider stuff they had, <laughs> like it, it, with, especially within communities like yours too, your sound like uh, it's urban but not huge. And we're mm-hmm. urban and I mean, Chicago's big, but the areas of Chicago that I'm in aren't huge. Um, and they, the real estate agents all know each other and know when spaces are coming for lease by, uh, buildings that they do real estate with, or they're friends with real estate agents who are tied into, uh, you know, buildings in the neighborhood. So there was a lot, you know, where I thought I pretty much knew every space that was for rent and Mm -hmm. and there were things that came up um, on his end that, you know, a lot weren't good fits, but where I was surprised to know that they actually had openings or so um, it costs, you no money to have a real estate agent um, because the building management or the building owner will end up paying your real estate agent for having you sign a lease because essentially you know that real estate, your real estate agent is helping them get their office space filled, right? You know, so I I, I feel like it does not hurt at all, um, and it's done a huge benefit to us. And it's something like I said, I had a low value placement on having a real estate attorney, uh, agent because I was like, I like researching myself and I like driving mm-hmm. through the neighborhood and finding it. I I don't need to have someone tell me about spaces that are not going to be what I'm interested in, um, but it actually did a lot of good for me. So. I would suggest, especially because you're in an area where it's more difficult than not to find Mm -hmm. a space, is to have someone who could potentially know about a space going for rent before it goes
1: on the market, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. So maybe that can be my next next step. And because I'm not in a rush per se, but if there is something available, I can jump on that. Yeah.
0: And it doesn't necessarily mean either that if you find a space, that you can't tell them you know, I'd like to rent it in, in, in three months from now or in two mm-hmm. months from now, you know, um, they might want someone in sooner than later, but they're likely willing to wait one to two months. And so that can give you, you know, then time to put a fire under your butt to do some of the other things, you know, now that you found yeah. the space. So um, not all things have to happen at the same time.
1: Nice. Yeah, that would be awesome.
0: All right. Well, thank you for coming on. This was a, a good topic and I'm sure one that a lot of people are going to be uh, interested in because, um, you know, expansion and, and figuring out where to put your space and and how to negotiate that stuff is a, is a hot topic. So thanks for coming in with that question. Yeah. Thank you so
1: much. This is great.
0: Yeah. Well, have a good rest of your day and keep us posted on if you find a space and and what combination of, of (laughs) you end up doing. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting. They're an accounting firm that works specifically with mental health practices, both solo and group. And they do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. And on top of that, they can help you set up your Profit First systems. So if you're thinking of using Profit First or currently use them, go to Green Oak Accounting and check them out. You can check them out at www.greenoakaccounting.com. Mention the Group Practice Exchange and get $100 off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.